Welcome to WJR's Internet Advisor podcast. Catch the live show weekends on News Talk 760 WJR and online at internetadvisor.net. Now, here are your hosts, Foster Brown, Gary Baker, and Ed Rudell. Welcome to the Internet Advisor. Delighted to be with you once again. And uh, to have my uh, favorite group of technical experts in studio with me, that's Mr. Gary Baker. Gary, always good to have you here. Well, let's see. It is a pleasure to be here. (laughs) And you are here. It (laughs) is. Ed Rudell, good to have you here, too. Always great. Thank you. And Cal Carson, good to see you here as well. Woohoo! Hey, speaking (laughs) of smiling face over there, uh, one of the big items that came down the pike this week, uh, big, I think, because of what it says about what's happening in terms of the tablets and all the portable devices affecting operating systems on laptops, laptops rather, and uh, and desktops is the new version of uh, Apple's operating system. Not so much the importance of Mountain Lion, the new cat in the house, but the fact that it's bringing a lot of the iOS, the portable uh, material, to the desktop now. It's bringing more and more of a term that I learned from Gary many years ago called convergence. <laughs> and it's, it, it's, it's bringing things all to, to electronic devices that we use every day. And uh, in this particular case, what, what they're trying to do, or what I feel they're trying to do with the Mac OS, is kind of a merging between the Mac OS and the iOS operating systems, yeah. and being able to do and make it seamless between your PC, your phone, your tablet, your music playing device, they'll all, they'll all be talking together. You know, isn't well, Microsoft trying to do the same thing? Really? Of course. And, you know, the, the, you know, the, the real um, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, if you will, is, is the fact that you can get instant on with a tablet, right? You can get yep. instant on. You can go do what you want to do. Everything is small and app-oriented. You don't That's have it. big uh, applications to load, take a long time. Um, there are still some things you can't do with the... Um, on live uh, uh, app, you could start to mimic some of the uh, the desktop features, yep. but there's still a few things you can't do. But what if you could get all of the the great things about a tablet and get the that's things exactly. you like with the laptop? You and know that's what Mountain Lion is starting to do, I'm start- and the rest are trying to follow. Well, I'm, and, and Windows has got a whole juggernaut of things coming right. along with Windows 8 Windows and the 8, Metro UI. Right. I think what I, Gary, I keep on going back to your friend Mike Amon, who was in here. Yep. I was it like two or three months ago. We've got to get that and play it back again, because Cal, what he was saying at that time, Eddie, is that everything is moving towards this app uh, yep. presentation. Right. You know, so... Most of us, even people who are, are fairly skilled at using operating systems, we just want to use the one thing. When I go to my email, I just want to use email. So what better than just have a right. little a little application icon that comes up, and I click that, and boom, it happens. Instead of going into the C prompt and finding out blah, 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 where it is. Right. You know, like an application to, I want to split my MP3s. I just want an app that does that. I don't want to pay $600 for an Adobe product that, you know, that, that yeah. lets me do everything. It sounds yeah. like it comes out of a studio. And I you want only, to split MP3s. Yeah, and you're only going to use 20% of it anyway. Look, oh, if, if that. Yeah. yeah, unless you're a sound producer. Yeah, but I'm on the other side of the coin. I like what a computer can do. I Absolutely. like a full-size computer. I like the full-size keyboard. I like being able to f- use a full-featured application where, you know, oh, maybe today I won't be splitting the MP3, but tomorrow I'll be joining two hunks of video and doing some editing against it and that sort of thing. So it's good that we can still have that type of situation. But at right. the same time, I want to be able to pick up my instant messaging off my phone yep. without having to pick up my phone 
Now I can do that type of thing. The key for me is how much portable devices are now impacting the entire world of computing. That's right, yes. That anathemia is astounding. And that's where Mike's, I thought, was genius when he said that. Well, and, you know, he lives out there in the valley, so, uh, you know, he thinks he knows everything, of course, yeah. like everybody that lives out well, there. He just kind of gets it from the atmosphere, <laughs> deep breath out there near Cupertino when it all comes in. But I bet you in a couple of years, we're going to start seeing things called, you know, they have things called staycations where you stay home when you have a vacation. There's going to be vacations where you're going to move away from your electronics. Well, you you're know, going to actually leave them somewhere and go away from them. I was almost, I don't know if we could do this with our program, but I was thinking of declaring a Lenten fast. <laughs> Electronic <laughs> Lenten fast, you know, because within certain tradi- Christian traditions. I don't think Catholics, I have that much vacation time. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and that's what and, I do for a living. And, <laughs> and in fact, do you get to not be on your computer when you're on vacation, which was, I think, Cal's point, which yeah, is, yeah, you right. know, yeah. I'm on vacation next week for a few days, and uh, that doesn't mean I get to turn off. Well, no, that, but the point is, maybe the vacations will turn into this place that you can go someplace that advertises, we do not have Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah. Correct. No electronic devices will be allowed. And, uh, you know, the, the first sound of a cell phone so, going off, you're so, thrown out. So where is that? I, I, I can remember a friend I, of mine. Amish territory. <laughs> Amish friend, territory. I, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> a friend of mine owns this little island 35 miles off the northern coast of Honduras. But he's well connected. One single house on the island. They own the island, right? And uh, you can barely see the next island over. And you're connected. He's fully. I know. He is yeah. fully connected. You're yes, connected. I know. We've had him on the air with us. Yep. I, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Do you know the new term that's out? I just saw it this week. A new addition to our vocabulary, phablets. <laughs> Have you heard that? I love it. I'm oh, gonna, please. I haven't heard it, but that I love Can you, you define that. that for me, please? <laughs> it, it, is, it started this week with the Samsung... Galaxy Note, I think I'm right. Actually, it came out a little bit. They have another one that came out before that was that size. With a tab. How big is that one? It's, uh, it's That's a 7-inch? I think it's 7-inch. Yeah. I think the so Note's 7-inch, and it, and it works on that prehistoric system where you use something called a stylus. Oh, they have a stylus. Now, see, people are not saying that's a disadvantage, I'm, but rather I'm that not, it's an advantage. I think it's uh, convergence again. And, and right? Exactly. People are rediscovering it, I think. I and, think and, they are. And, and with a lot of existing tablet devices, you can go buy it. A stylus yes, that would yes. work with them. There's a whole industry of that. I know uh, with some, I, I think with even the iPad. Well, my iPad, I can use my finger. The problem is I can't get as precise as the size. Exactly. Yeah, and if I was a graphic right. artist or something like that, then yes, definitely a stylus. So, well, but I take little. But phablets uh, you know, are here, folks. Phablets are here. We'll talk more about that. Actually, coming up in just a moment, we have a studio full of people that we're going to invite to talk to us about high technology and reading, writing, and arithmetic. We'll be back in just a minute to talk with our folks about high tech and education on the Internet Advisor. You're listening to a podcast of WJR's Internet Advisor. Welcome to the Internet Advisor. Foster Brown here with you along with our team, Gary Baker, in studio with me. And Gary, we've had the pleasure of uh, bringing somebody very special to us along, and that is uh, Steve Heyer who is the CEO of uh, IGD Solutions, the company that's hosting our program, as a matter of fact, making it possible for people to hear us, see us on the web. Hosting our website. Website. And has for a long time in our uh, email, and so that's very, very helpful. So thank you, Steve. Uh, It's great to be with, you know, and we've relied on these guys for a long time, and sometimes very heavily, uh, some of Steve's folks, and uh, they've come through for us every time, so that's wonderful. So thanks again. Great. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. Your support services are great, but the reason we have you back is that the last time we were we had you in here. We were talking about IGD Solutions. But you also said, you know, I really want to talk about education because you're involved with the Clarkston Schools. You are the treasurer, I believe, of the school board there, right? That is correct, yes. Okay. So what's this big deal about technology and education in Clarkston? 
Well, really, if you look forward to what our kids are going to have to do when they leave high school, they go to college, they leave college, they're going to get jobs where they actually need to have critical thinking skills. They're actually going to be participating in a global economy where they're going to be interacting with people from all around the world. Yeah, just imagine that, right? It, they it, have to it's do a that, whole huh? new paradigm yeah. that, I mean, you can Skype with somebody in Singapore and, and have a business relationship with somebody yep. thousands and thousands of miles mm-hmm. away. You have to be able to use the tools t- to do that. And so for Clarkson Schools, we've really taken an initiative to introduce global learning devices is what we're calling them. They could be laptops, netbooks, tablets, and different applications, but it's really a one to global learning device so while each each student will get a device uh, really it's the the global learning environment that they're open to with this device that we want to expose them to and take advantage of i want to talk about the devices but but let's let's back into this maybe a different way and talk about the students because we have some students in the studio with us so why don't you steve matter of fact just introduce the folks going around the horn there from your uh, right sure we have two seniors with us today uh, troy hughes and andrea vedrodi and a freshman uh, cameron razdar who's here with us and they are members Guys, of welcome. a very special team, right? Yeah, we're a part of Team Rush Robotics, which is uh, a first robotics team in Clarkson High School. Um, Andrew, if you want to tell them a little about FIRST. Yeah, what does FIRST stand for? Well, FIRST is for the Inspiration and Recognition of Science and te- Technology. And what they do is they try to spread FIRST and science and engineering into the school district so that younger kids can have the experiences that are needed in the workplaces, this those is, skills necessary. This is learning, but it's fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Tell us some They got the, the T-shirts, by yeah. the way, folks. I know this is oh, radio, yeah. but they got the T-shirts on. <laughs> yeah, and and actually we should uh, maybe post uh, the photo that we just We will post a photo shortly, yeah. There. All right. Um, so tell me, I mean, what's the fun part of, of doing FIRST Robotics? Well, as as a high school student, you know, you don't normally get to be involved with the hands-on based learning that comes along with engineering and science and technology. And as someone who's always been involved in uh, first or first robotics, I've really loved the the opportunities I've been given to learn about engineering and technology and you know, there's nowhere else that you'll get a problem and be told, come up with the most innovative way to solve it that's still underweight and still works <laughs> and follows all the guidelines. And, and in so six it's, weeks. It's, yeah, in six yeah, weeks. Six weeks, right? Holy and, mackerel. And it's not like somebody, some teacher knows the answer and you have to come up with the right answer, right? It's, no, no. You get to figure this out. It's innovative it's, but it's to- at its best. Yeah, it's totally kid-based. So at the end of the day, you know, when the robot's out there, you know that you helped program it, you helped make it. And so that's the product you did just like everybody else in the rest of the world parents and people we know actually making products and like the cars we drive you know that we made those robots and then that's what we did Cameron how do you as a younger person involved in this you just gotten into high school how did you get involved in a team so I moved from New York to uh, Clarkston and I was wanting something that I could actually be involved in something that would make me think something that I could learn in and I found Team Rush and I just fell in love with it uh, right now, I'm a programmer, not an, not a build person, but I, I, it's just amazing to think that you can program a robot or program a code that just does something, and it just interacts, and you know that it's yours. I have to say, guys, what's, what's mind-boggling for me is this is precisely the age group and the genius that's developing applications, and look, Mark Zuckerberg is maybe only 10 years older than well, these guys. <laughs> Cameron, Cameron right here, he's a programmer, as he said, but he's actually working to create Apple iPod apps that do scouting for us when we're in competition. Oh, you give me a break. No <laughs> kidding. So what does he mean by scouting? Well, scouting, we uh, we record data of other robots, We um, and for the iPad, we actually have counters and uh, information you can type in. 
for the scouters, and it actually gets uploaded to iPads from Xcode. That the, we the, go, the goal is just like any other uh, sports team. You want to know what competition you're going up against. Sure. So you watch other teams and you record what they're good at and you mark down what they do well and not so well. And then you create a strategy with your alliance that best pinpoints their strength wow. or your alliance's strengths against your opponent's weaknesses. So Cameron, on, on second down, uh, the the wing back always goes down, fakes inside, and goes outside. Is that what happens? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> how do you figure this out? <laughs> well, it's it, well with it being robots. It's oh, sorry, with it being robots. Uh, the you have each person has a robot that they're scouting, and they have to record record how many points they're scoring and how what the human players, which are like throwing basketballs and stuff in this game. What they're doing, so. and the so, uh. the strategies really revolves around what each team is good at. So this year, the game is uh, a lot like basketball. Actually, the field is set up where there are um, different. There are three or four different hoops at three different heights, and then each team has to shoot the balls into the hoop with the robot. With the, the, the robot, robot. exactly the robot. with That's the robot. <laughs> and um, the scouting portion of it is. If we go up against a team that we know that they're really good at shooting uh, all the high baskets, which are the which are the highest scoring points, then we need as many defenders on the other side of the field as possible. But we still need people scoring, of course. Of so. course, you know, I, I have to say, if you link, if you go to our site, internetadvisor.net, there's right. a link off to First Robotic or First in Michigan website, and right there is a photograph of two robots, and uh, the 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 best. The best part is the tagline underneath the photograph. It says, the only varsity sport where every participant can turn pro. I love right. it. I love it. So this is Lynn Fastic, right? I'm sorry. I'm Jeremy Lynn, who's on the New York Knicks right now, is making headlines. Because, so you guys have, with the basketball, you have your own Lynn Fastic team. i got to ask you, Andrea, the guys have been doing a lot of talking. Is this the, what happens when girls get involved in these teams? That they have to kind of play second oh, no. fiddle to the guys? <laughs> no. I, I mean, yeah, you are in a male-dominated area, but, I mean, the girls that come in are so strong and want to be there so much that it's not a problem. Yeah, I, I mentioned sure it because not. Gary and I have been big proponents. He's got a, a daughter who is a brilliant young woman who has been with us on our show since she was five years old. I've got four daughters, and we're very excited about young women getting involved in technology. How many of your friends you know, think what you're doing is kind of nerdy? Oh, none of them. They all think it's so cool. I mean, we've presented at our school, and you know, all, everybody in the school is getting up and cheering for us. The cheerleaders are there who normally support oh, the basketball really? and stuff. And so when we present to our school and stuff, they're there. Everybody's there ex- excited and happy to see us doing what it, we're doing. It, it's still nerdy. They're just really excited about it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, and, excited and, nerds. And the, and the best part, too, is that it's okay to be smart, right? Yeah. Oh, and, yes. And people celebrate the fact well, that... Troy, am I right? It's okay smart. to be nerdy nowadays, oh, too. Oh, it's totally... Totally cool to be nerdy. Because you got Steve Zuckerberg broke the ice for you guys. Oh yeah, uh, he's about to be a quintuple we, billionaire. We think it's really cool uh, on our team, at least, because what we've done is we not only strive to get more females involved in engineering, but we've actually gone out of our way to create a girls in engineering club. Oh, in, cool! Very in our cool. school. Um, uh, actually, <laughs> I'm actually involved with the club and help with it. Um, Smart man. You know, I didn't <laughs> learn that till much later in life. I got. <laughs> Um, it's I, don't, it, I think it's really cool because um, on the robotics team, you don't see too many girls getting involved with the actual team. But then you go to the club, and there's just a number of different girls that are all involved with the club and that are all excited about it. And it's such a difference. Wonderful.
Yeah, yeah, you're relating to some really neat kids who were there. Now, how many are in the team? How many members make up uh, Rush 27? We Uh, have 32 members, and nine of which are girls. Oh, so that's, Sweet. that's no, pretty that's good. Different. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I'm right about. There needs to be 10 or 12 or 15 next time. But <laughs> yeah, next year. That's still a good representation. Yeah. So, Steve, from a, a school board perspective, I mean, this is, I, I know we're short of time here, but um, y- you got to be proud of these kids. We, we couldn't be more proud of these kids. They, they've gone out and, and they compete in, in, in about four tournaments every year where they're competing against other schools from around the world. They make us proud and represent us in, in great fashion. Excellent. Steve, we want to pick up that subject of high tech and schooling in just a minute, and maybe you folks can join the conversation as well, young folks. We'll be back in just a minute with the Internet Advisor, High Tech and Education, our conversation. Conversation continues. You're listening to a podcast of WJR's Internet Advisor. For help with any computer problem, call in during our live show or visit our webpage at internetadvisor.net. Welcome back to this hour of the Internet Advisor. We're going to continue our conversation about technology and learning. And by the way, in just a little bit, we're going to be talking about cash mobs. Not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. Not with a mob going after cash. This is about, you've heard flash mobs. These are cash mobs. And we're talking with somebody from Cleveland about the way that these are benefiting small businesses and communities and really bringing back uh, both economic life to areas and just the whole feel for the communities. But right now we have Steve Heyer in studio with us. He's the CEO of IGD Solutions and also uh, the treasurer of the Clarkston, Michigan School Board. And with us as well are some members of the first robotic team there, Rush 27, uh, Andrea Vedroy and Ta- Troy Hughes are here, seniors, and we also have freshman Cameron Razdar who is with us as well. And folks, thank you so much for being in studio with us. Steve, I want to go back now and talk with you about the whole notion of technology and education. Is this just a sport for the rich? You are in one of the richest towns and one of the richest communities and counties in the United States. Who else but that kind of a community could benefit from this? Well, I, I think it's kind of interesting that you uh, characterize us as one of the richest towns. We're actually the fourth lowest funded school district in the county. Out of 28 districts, wow. we're fourth from the bottom. Um, really? and, and so I don't, I don't know that we're, uh, we're exactly the richest district out there, but the, to answer the question, no, it's not just for the rich. Um, I think you do have to be creative in finding a way to fund it. Um, we've been very creative to, to go after some grants and get some pilots uh, going in our district to actually use it and come up with our own results, our own data to say, hey, yes, this is something we want for all of our kids. And it shouldn't matter whether or not your your parents have the means to purchase you a uh, d- device or technology mm-hmm. to get in on this. So we've come up with a creative way uh, going to our voters in May to ask them if, if they'd like to support us in, in, in this technology learning initiative. Well, Steve, and, and- you know, hats off to you and and the school board and the the faculty there and the teacher uh, groups and principals, the administration, for for actually identifying um, STEM, uh, which uh, is science, technology, engineering, and math. Right, the STEM program and uh-huh. and those initiatives is being so important to our kids today. It, it really is a, a very crucial component, and we've tried to align our our uh, curriculum such that. There are options for kids. So we have some vocational options if, the, if kids want to do some hands-on programs. So there's a ha- hands-on engineering program. There's a, you know, a, a home-building program, a business management program. We have some programs within our high school like International Baccalaureate that's a little more culturally oriented and mm, international excellent. in flavor that, that really is, is recognized all over the world. And then we have an integrated science, technology, engineering, and math program. And students can choose w- what program is right for them. Let me ask the young folks who are here this you know, uh, for, let me poll you, starting with Andrea. Uh, how many electronic devices do you have? What are they? Uh, I have a laptop, my iPhone, an iPad. 
Uh, I don't even know if I can list them all. Okay, okay. <laughs> How about you, Troy? Um, I have my iPhone, and then at home I share a computer with my siblings, and I uh, also we also share an iPad. Cameron? Um, I have an Android phone, a laptop, a com- uh, desktop computer, and lots of uh, portable gaming devices and TV. Yeah, I was just going to say, you probably forgot about the PlayStation or the Wii and your iPod. and, and I guess my point others, is right? this. You guys are technologically savvy, and you got the hardware. You've had the money to get the hardware, or your parents have provided it, however it goes. How much of the learning that's involved here has to do with the devices and how much of it has to do with a learning experience that would not be possible without those devices? I, I think in terms of devices, it's an interesting question because the the learning new teaching style that we need to adopt is very device agnostic. So it, it's okay. not the case of introducing devices and doing teaching the same way you've been doing it. We really have had to change the way we teach. So instead of lecturing in class and giving kids a device to go home and do things, it's actually the other way around. It's been flipped. And so kids will use their device to, to preload content in school and then take it home and, and absorb that content. So some of that may be watching videos or going through lessons. Some of it may be exploring credible sources on the Internet, learning how to identify credible sources on the Internet, mm-hmm. and then and at a self-paced pick up where their base of, of knowledge is and take well, it I farther. Get back, I want to get back to you. How much of this is dependent on the equipment, guys? How much of it? Well, I mean, would you I, be able to do this without that equipment? Yeah, I mean, uh, the way the, our school, me personally, I have a number of different electronic devices, and I use them for learning. But realistically, the way uh, schools work, I mean, a lot of schools have um, computers or way that people ways that people can be uh, getting on the internet, and just that the option of being able to get on the internet and teachers saying, "Okay, now go watch this video, and we'll talk about it tomorrow during class." And okay. tomorrow during class is when we'll do the homework. That's where that's where the you know, b- big difference comes in. Were you going to say something, Karen? Oh, yeah. In my statistics class, we do just that. We have a blog, actually, that we, um, we, have, we can go on after school, and we, we can uh, post questions that we might have after reading some assignments. So that, the Internet is really the key linchpin in this, Andrea. Yes. Yes, it is. That's the key linchpin. Linch- linch- mm-hmm. Well, and I don't think that it's the equipment necessarily, um, although, yeah, you know, it's fun and it may help and, and whatnot. But we've talked to a number of other people, and it sounds like you do some of this at your school, too, which is they flip the whole idea of what's done in the classroom and what's done at home and homework. They flip that around, right? Yeah, my, you- my math teacher is currently doing that. Um, she uses Edmodo, which is like a Facebook page, so you can access it through any source of electronic device, anything that connects the Internet. And what she does is she posts videos or lessons that we need to do at home. So we watch those lessons and we learn the material there. Then she gives us a couple practice problems so we can figure out. And then we go back online and post the questions that we have, like Cameron said. So they yeah. go, to, they do the lecture at home yeah. and the homework at school. Yes. Like where you got lots of help. Where you also have a teacher. The, the homework. Where you yes. have a teacher, right? So, I mean, yeah. Where you have a teacher. Yeah, the teacher yeah. the teacher really is the key. I mean, you can watch as many videos as you want online, but there's there's no replacement for that personal influence of a teacher of someone who you can ask whatever questions you have because I guarantee there's not going to be an educational video out there that doesn't that has the answer to every question you're going to come right. up now, with. Now, Steve, this gets back to something that I wanted to ask you about, the whole notion of online learning, because the key factor here seems to be the Internet is the factor. So even if I'm not in a wealthy enough school district to be able to have a device, I can go to the library. Whereas often they have very fast devices and up-to-date things. The key is the Internet. So is the whole issue online learning? Uh, the short answer is no. Um, I think online learning it has a place, and I think there are, are, are areas uh, within our country that you know the expertise is not there, the teacher is not there, that maybe the demand is not there for a whole class of students. 
Um, so an online learning piece is, where it's is, just is really, yeah, it picks up. There, there are yeah. cases where we have students that have been I- expelled and they still need some services from us and an online uh, learning environment fits their needs because they're not allowed by state law back in, in our traditional mm-hmm. classrooms. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it has a place, but I don't think it takes the place it's not a magic pill. Um, of, of really school in general or teaching and learning because a, a big part of school is, is teamwork, problem solving, ah, critical right. thinking skills. That's what you so, guys are involved in, right? Yeah, that's uh, part of CSM Tech, uh, something that Steve had mentioned earlier that we're involved with. CSM? Yeah, CSM Tech, Clarkston Science Math Technology okay. Academy. It uh, it puts students in a position where they're, especially with their final exams, the final exams aren't traditional final exams. You're given a situation and a problem, and you're told uh, to use the mathematics and the science that you've learned uh, throughout the trimester excellent. to solve it, and then you have to finally at the end do some sort of write-up using a number of different technologies that you've learned throughout the trimester. So g- give an example of one of, those, one of those problems that you've had to deal with in a final. Andrea, uh, one of you guys. Well, when I was a freshman, um, the the one that I've had the most fun or that I had the most fun with was the truck accident final exam, where um, <laughs> it, it sounds horrible. It sounds horrible, but uh, <laughs> they actually they had the the school police officer came come came down and told us there's been an accident, and he told us what the accident was, and the key to the the whole problem was that. Um, these barrels of mysterious liquid fell out, and we had to find out using stoichiometry and uh, biology. We had to figure out what was in the barrels because the truck driver was uh, poisoned by it, and then we had to use the algebra we had to solve um, where the barrels would land after they fell out and bounced. Andrea, help me. What is stoichiometry? (laughs) Stoichiometry is the... um the difference between like the chemicals so like you have to have a balanced equation so you need so much of ke- each chemical to make the chemical reaction Good. i feel a little less ingrained <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what foster i think we're just met three people that are going to help pay our retirement because these people are going to make lots of money oh <laughs> uh, yeah 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 I'm, I'm excited to see you guys here ranging from you cameron who you've just entered high school but you've got a wealth of stuff going you're programming already right yeah i'm programming in xcode and uh, other forms like html I want to ask a question. Leo, I heard Leo Laporte, which is one of our favorite people, has got all sorts of uh, blogs. He has his own radio show. Own, he's on his own radio industry, practically. <laughs> uh, he talks about, he said, if I could, I would insist that every child in high school now learn coding. In other words, learn Xcode or something else like that. You're nodding yes, Andrea. Yeah. Um, part of the CSM Tech Academy that we're in integra- integrates technology. So one of our tech units is learning HTML and software design. So we have a set of... Um, accomplishments that we need to do and create a HTML document and then we can our teachers will grade it on the website and then a part of that we also learn like a dream weaver so we learn a couple different technologies a dream mover a dream weaver a it's dream a, weaver oh yes yeah, the, the web software z- yeah the web developer yeah. so we have a couple different ways to learn how to create websites and wow. learn that that side of the but, technology but websites aren't even the end of it websites are really the beginning we also learn nxt robotics and program little lego robo- robots to accomplish different tasks oh it. i'm so I glad you guys it. are out there you, you give me great hope for the future i want to thank again uh cameron Razdar, troy hughes andrew Bedroy, and steve thank you so much for bringing me in here thanks steve, for having me back wait, i have you wait, back with more steve, if you keep bringing guests like this we're gonna have you back every month <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much back in just a moment to talk about cash mobs on the internet advisor your list Listening to a podcast of WJR's Internet Advisor. Welcome back to the Internet Advisor. Foster Brown, your co-host, with you here. You know, if anybody is listening here who's on Facebook, and since there's about, you know, 
850 million of you folks out there, I'm going to guess a fair amount of you are, uh, or if you've ever been online and gone to YouTube, you've seen this wonderful thing called flash mobs. And that's where a, a bunch of people uh, are contacted uh, individually, and then they get together at one place to sing the hallelujah chorus or do whatever it is. It is usually a neat kind of thing, and it's in some kind of a public place that they do that. And uh, I've seen them in, you know, medicine and all sorts of public places. In any case, there is a little bit of a twist on that that is a neat thing that's out there right now called cash mobs. And to help us understand that concept, we have with us online right now Andrew Samtoy, who is a co-founder of Cash Mobs in Cleveland. Andy, thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. It's an honor. Tell me what a cash mob is. Well, basically, it's it, it's a flash mob, but what we do is we go to a small locally owned business, and uh, everybody that comes to cash mob comes expecting to spend $20 or more at that business. So it's a, it's a one-time infusion of cash into a small local business. Now, do you get, uh, I mean, is this selling securities? Do you get stock for that? (laughs) (laughs) No, you get the uh, satisfaction of knowing that you're giving back to a business that's also giving back to your community. Well, then I guess the big question is, this is Cal, uh, how do you get selected as a business to be uh, assaulted (laughs) with a cash mob? Sure. Well, um, there's actually, we, we put together a list of the quali- qualities that we're looking for in these businesses. Uh, the big ones, though, are basically it needs to be a locally owned business. Uh, we usually go to s- ones that are on the smaller side, uh, just because generally the bigger businesses don't need, or it wouldn't make as much of an impact to their bottom line as, as if it's a small business. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the most important thing, though, is that the people live in the community uh, the people that own the business live in the community. They employ people from the community, and they also are doing good in the community. And that's it's open to interpretation, but but we really want to know that the owners of the business are giving back to their community and supporting their right, community. Right. So how long does this infusion of mobsterism last? <laughs> I mean, do you do it for a day? Do you do it for a week? Or do you do it for an hour? How does that work? Well, one of the great things about it is we've purposely made it so that everybody that's organizing these cash mobs can sort of do it their own way and the way that they think is going to do best. So generally, the ones that I've organized myself, we all meet in a particular place before the cash mob. And and one of the more interesting things that we've done is we don't tell people what business we're going to beforehand. We just tell them where to meet up. So they show up not knowing if they're going to go to a toy store or a bookstore or uh, or a bar, really. I mean, they, they have no idea. They're there specifically to support the small business, though, and that's what's bringing them out. So, the, And then, uh, I'm sorry? And the business it, itself doesn't know you're coming as well? Oh, no, they do. We absolutely uh, make sure that they know, because we've had, I mean, the, the last one we did last week, 60 people showed up. And uh, if, or 65, if, if we'd just shown up like that on a Thursday, any Thursday night, they would have been overwhelmed. And then yeah. the, there would have been a line and people would have gotten grumpy and they would have thought that the business wasn't well run. So we want to make sure that the owner also is, is prepared for having this infusion. That really is cool. So is this like uh, Occupy Small Business with Cash? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, Occupy, actually, they've, they've been trying to take credit for this. We're not part of Occupy uh, at all. That's good uh, we're not know. related to them whatsoever. But I guess you could say what we're doing is we're, we're taking the, the collective community power of everybody doing a small amount. Uh, they're only spending 20 bucks, and for most people, that's not out of the question. And 
we are going and we're having a really big impact on these businesses. Now, Andy, this also a part of it, I noticed in the rules and regulations for it or the, on the link that we have, is that you want, one of the instructions is meet three people you don't know. So there's also yeah. a, a community building aspect to this, isn't there? That, and to me, that's the most, well, that is one of the most important things. We want to support the business, but, but it's so community focused that we also want to make sure that people are building the community, just like you said. We want to make sure that they're interacting with each other because a lot of this is organized using social networking tools like Facebook and Twitter. But I've seen people in my generation go from actually having friends to counting friends on Facebook and never actually seeing them. Oh, I, I remember there was, I was, I was on Twitter once and I saw an entire conversation of people. They were all out to dinner with each other, but they were actually talking on Twitter with each other <sighs> rather than face to face. And I think Lord. that's just, it's ludicrous the, the, how disconnected we become from each other. I thought so, that was only a Saturday me, Night Live skit. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it exists. And so to me, it's actually meeting people face to face and interacting with them the way we've been doing for thousands of years up until the last maybe five or ten years. So, so not to put a fly in the cream of wheat, but if you tell the business ahead of time that you're going to do this, are you really getting a real representation of the service level of this particular business? Or is it just that you feel you're going to be coming in with so much, it's going to overwhelm them so bad that they really need to pre, be preempted on the strike? Sure. I guess the, the alternative would be we also might not be. If we didn't tell them, we also might not be getting a representative service level because if they sure. had 60 people on a slow night, they might not be giving as good service as they normally would be able to. Right. Good um, point. So I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily a consideration that we should, um, uh, we should focus you on. Know, um, it's, not, it's, not, it's not that we want to uh, uh, make sure that they have. We want to make sure people have as good a level of service as possible. But I don't think that that's taking away from the cash. Now, Andrew Samtoy, by the way, we're speaking with him from Cleveland. He's a co-founder of Cash Mobs there. Uh, they take place in other places as well. Am I right? Uh, or have they been actually, <laughs> it's kind of gone virally from you folks. Yeah. From what I know, there's 60, we counted yesterday, I think there's 64 that we know of. But um, that, I would say there's probably 40 or 50 more that we don't. And this is not only in America. We ha- uh, These go on in Canada. Uh, the UK, France, the Netherlands. I mean, we're we're really spreading worldwide at this point. You know, it's it's interesting. There's a great book out called Drive by uh, Daniel Pink, and he talks about motivation and extrinsic motivation of uh, that still works. But um, this is really about intrinsic motivation, which is what his book is about. That's what you tap into when you get people to come to a cash mob, bring $20, um, go meet three friends. But they do this because they want to, because they want to help their local businesses and their communities. Isn't that right? Absolutely. And I think that um, one of the other things, keeping it a secret ahead of time takes away their ability to do a cost-benefit analysis of whether they want to go to the business. It makes sure that they they really want to be there for the community. Um, They're there because... They want to participate in their communities. Andy, and I, I think that that's one of the aspects of it that I really enjoy just because I think uh, I really like mystery and I think that yeah, our lives are yeah. far too ordered at this point. I know exactly what I'm doing for the next life, 20 days. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I love every it. Every hour of everything. I love it. It's a little spice to life. Now, I, is this your attempt to revitalize, uh, you know, areas of Cleveland or, or say somebody from Augusta, Georgia? I saw on your blog that somebody there was was getting the idea and doing something there. Is this 
part of an economic revitalization program? I don't think that it actually is a revitalization program, but I do think that what we can do now is take control of our communities, again, using our money. Um, Mm. When we spend money at some of these big box stores, the money goes to pay for the running of the stores, and then it goes out of our cities into the coffers of investors and owners in Bentonville, Arkansas, or Seattle, Washington, or New York, or, or Houston. What we're doing here is... We are making sure that after the money goes towards paying for the cost of running a store, the money also stays in the community. Yep. Um, and there's plenty of there's plenty of studies showing that when you spend your money locally, it has an, a, a disproportionate effect on Ex- the absolutely. local economy Andy, than one would expect. We're running out of time here. How can people get in sure. touch with you? We've got a link on our homepage to uh, the um, Cash Mobs Cleveland, the, the blog. Is that the best way to get in touch with you? Cashmobs.wordpress.com is great. You can look us up on Twitter. It's cashmobs, plural, one word. Okay. Uh, and then you can also email cashmobs at gmail.com. Excellent, Eddie. Thank you so much for being with great Eddie Samtoy from Cleveland. We'll be back with another hour of the Internet Advisor coming up next, so please do stay tuned if you can. You're listening to a podcast of WJR's Internet Advisor. You can find more resources to protect your computer on our webpage at internetadvisor.net.